Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Ordinary to Extraordinary. I'm your host, Stephen Brown, a Scottish guy in Spokane for about another five weeks, six weeks. And yeah, so if you have not already, please rate, review or share an episode of the podcast. I appreciate you doing that. I have a guest today. Today I speak with Jonathan Bingo, who you might remember. He was on with Ben and I about a year ago. He is one of the newest members of the Spokane City Council and we had a good talk about his campaign, what's to be expected and everything else involving politics. Here we go. But we're recording now. Cool. So don't say anything you shouldn't. <laughs> I never do. That's my job. <laughs> and I don't have to retract anything. That's right. Pander. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so you, if you're listening, you probably hear I have a guest. And you would have heard it in the intro as well that I'm going to record after this. Uh, previous guest from the podcast is Jonathan Bingo. And we talked to you, I think it's about a year ago, give yeah. or take, Ben and I. Yeah. Um, at that point, you had just announced you were going yeah. to run for city council. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you've just won your way onto City Council. Yeah. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, I'm stoked. I don't do much in the way of political yeah. advocacy work or even endorsement. Uh, and just so you know that I trust you less now, right? <laughs> That's good. You should. Now that it's all official, I, trust, right. you, I trust you less. <laughs> <laughs> I even tell people that same thing. Listen to me. You know, I know that I'm a good guy, right? But also... You know, in the in the Bible, there's a story, right, where Paul commends the church of Berea because they searched the scriptures to prove them true. And it's kind of Reagan's idea of, like, trust but verify. Every mm-hmm. politician, man, like, verify it that they're doing what they're saying they will do. Uh, I mean, the allure of power is real strong. It's a real temptation no matter how good of a person you think you are. Um, it's, it's, it's a real temptation. So you need to make sure you're holding every political official accountable uh, to that they're doing what they said that they were going to do and the things they're doing are on the up and up. All right. I have a question on yes. that. How do we do that? Yeah. So the ways that you can do that, because of the Freedom of Information Act, you can basically like ask for communications from your uh uh, from your elected officials, you can watch their votes um, on, particularly to uh, city council. Uh, you know, all of our city council meetings are um, are televised. Um, you know, on on city cable. Um, you know, you can reach out to your council people. You can ask them what they're doing. Um, you know, what organizations they're working with, and then you can go and uh, you know, with those organizations, make sure that they're actually doing what they're um, what they're telling you that they're doing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, so that's locally. How do we do it nationally? How do we do it regionally? Like how, and I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna not be political, but I'm gonna talk politics a little bit. Yeah, uh, there's no way for me to hold Jay Inslee accountable right now for the, some of the silly decisions he's made. No, and the trouble is, is that he has the legal authority to do a lot of what he's doing, and so to hold him accountable would be, you know, if he's doing something illegal, then we could do it now. The, the best ways to challenge, uh, you know, lower levels of government is to challenge them against the highest law of the land, which is the United States Constitution. So if they're doing anything that's unconstitutional, and I think there's good arguments to be made that they are doing those things, that's how you would challenge it. That's how you hold them accountable. Um, 
because state law might be um, uh, with the system. You know, they they tried to make states you know somewhat sovereign to where they could you know run their communities the way that they wanted to, but ultimately it is subject to the constitution. So if anything a state is doing is contrary to that, you have a good argument. Okay, that's good to know. Yep. Um, it's actually a really good way to think about it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had, we were talking off air as we were getting water and stuff before yeah. and you were asking about Florida and yeah. why I'm going there. Mm-hmm. How did you find out, by the way? Did, did you listen to the episode? Or? No, you. I think you made a comment on Facebook or something like I'm moving there soon or something like that. I, oh, wow. I might have been. I might have been off on that, but uh, no, I, I just because I know I hadn't talked to you about it. Yeah. And yeah, you said, hey, I hear you're moving the yeah. other day. And I was like, wait, what? Um, how did you find out? I, I, I was going to be like, hey, you still listen? Um, <laughs> no, so obviously I told you the biggest reason is family. I think totally. mom and dad can yep. visit more more efficiently, not be coming here November, December, yeah. January when it's dark and stuff. But politics played into it a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and I'll, I'll go on the record and say the level of freedom that I advocate for would yep. make 99% of Americans even balk. Like I, I want the government nowhere near any of my yeah, stuff, right? Totally. Um, I understand I'm not full-on Randy Weaver going to go and live in the mountains <laughs> and no electricity, water, right. and shoot people and yeah. stuff like that. But I definitely, I don't know that local, regional, or national government has ever taken a problem and solved it. Mm-hmm. They keep adding to problems. Totally. They'll solve one problem, but the second and third order yep. effects don't tend to be considered. So right now, I like Ron DeSantis. I like yeah. Florida. Absolutely. Right? Um Best governor in the United States right now. (laughs) You said that. Absolutely. And I'll stand um, by it. You know, I like that he goes to bat for his people. Totally. I like that he's, first thing he always says is, is this constitutional? Totally. With the state, with the the law of the land, the highest order of the land, right? Um, And he seems to be accountable and answerable to the people Mm -hmm. that voted him in. Mm -hmm. And they love him. Totally. Right? And I know people, some people listen to this that lean further left than, than me. Um, are probably going, no, he's crazy mm-hmm. and he's killing people and well, Florida's got the lowest COVID rates yep. in the country right now. Yep. Now, I don't think it's because of him. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a, a fact that vitamin D is good for it. Totally. Right? It's part of the ivermectin protocol yep. and if you yep. look at California, they're getting lower, Texas is getting lower, basically the whole southern belt is lower but that's a part of my thinking as well because for the last 18 months, I've felt completely helpless here in totally. Spokane. Being yep. legislated to and by Yep. the other side of the state and I look at our local council thankfully you're there and mm-hmm. I think who's the other is it Michael Cathcart, yeah. Cathcart. Um, so there's it's not balanced by any means no but there's two from the right and the rest they're pretty far left oh, yeah. oh yeah when it comes to that and I don't think that's healthy and then they've got a mayor that's kind of can't can't get anything achieved and I'm talking a lot there is a question coming here but um, where I'm going with that is that do you see more people leaving Spokane when we're seeing an influx of people coming here but it seems to be from liberal areas do you see more people leaving Spokane because of what they see happening statewide I think there's there's a lot of reasons why people are leaving Spokane and unfortunately Spokane's greatest export is its sons and daughters and that's a that's a real shame Scotland's Um, the same yep (laughs) <laughs> and uh, the thing is, is that right now we don't have, uh, you know, 
uh, tons of housing where people feel uh, comfortable of being able to, you know, establish themselves and be able to create a life. They can't afford it. Um, they don't think that their neighborhoods are safe. They don't think the parks are safe. Um, and, you know, if I'm a, and I am, you know, a, a young family, uh, you know, I'm looking, where do I want to establish myself? I mean, some of the places that you were talking about to me, Florida was a serious consideration for us at one point, um, but it just became, you know, this is my childhood home and I refuse to cede this territory to just like, it's it's gone, it's lost in my mind. And so um, that's, you know, one of the reasons why I ran is I just wanted this city to be the city it was when I was growing up, which was a safe and, and healthy community. Um, and, uh, but I see lots of people moving because, um, you know, freedom is, is very attractive. There's a reason why the United States receives 20% of the world's immigrants the world over. And if the United States allowed for higher numbers of immigration, that number would be significantly higher. Uh, there's a reason why the United States flag is waved in Hong Kong and Cuba and Venezuela and all the places that have great oppression, right? I mean, it's mm -hmm. a symbol of freedom. Freedom is, a, is, a, uh, is, an, is an alluring idea. And so places like Florida, where it's like, uh, you know, hey, if you want to wear a mask, great. If you want to be vaccinated, great. Uh, you know, if you don't, great. We can all live in harmony in this in this idea. And I think that's what the United States needs a lot more of right now is the government leaving people alone, right? You're an adult. You are able to, uh, to assess risk for you and your family. Uh, you know, live your life the way that you want to live it so long as you're not hurting anybody else. And I mean physically hurting anybody else because – you know, the idea of not hurting anybody else, you can make cases for a lot of things. But uh, so long as you're not physically hurting anybody else, kind of do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would caveat that, that when you say that, when I say that, when other people that I, I would say are moderate and are able to see mm -hmm. both sides. Yeah. When we say things like what you just said, we're, we're accused of being uncompassionate, right? Yeah, totally. Like you lack compassion. You yeah. lack empathy. You're not. It's like, no, I want to help everybody. Yeah, Absolutely. But there's a universal responsibility mm -hmm. to be an acceptable, uh, an accepted member of society. Yeah. And it's been like that for the entire history of the human race. Totally. You know, I don't want people shunned and ostracized, but I also don't want to make poor behavior normal. Correct. And acceptable. Correct. Yep. Right. And that's kind of the path that we seem to be on. Um, I'm, I'm in the middle of a book right now listening to it. It's called San Francisco. I don't Ooh, know if yeah, you've... interesting. So this guy was on Joe Rogan, so that's why I downloaded the book to listen yeah. to it. But San Francisco is basically... The, the subtitle of the book is How Progressives Ruin Cities. Yep. Right? Yep. And it's it talks about housing first. It talks about... And it, it focuses not just on San Francisco. It's San Francisco, Los Angeles, Seattle. Yep. are the three main yep. topics of the book. And it's super interesting to me because this guy was a bleeding heart liberal. Yeah. And now he's in the middle going, the things that we've been doing totally. for years are not working. Yep. This level of advocacy isn't working. Mm -hmm. You know, not having, not holding people accountable and saying you have a universal responsibility yes. to society yep. before society has any responsibility to you. Correct. And yeah, so you said housing and yep. that's why I went there. And yep. I wanted to focus on, so any basically any, any, vote in the city of Spokane right now is going to be a referendum on housing and homelessness, right? Yeah. Um, there aren't enough houses. Yep. That being said, there's still people moving to the, the area in uh -huh. record record numbers. Uh, homeless is an issue. We're mm -hmm. right downtown right now. We can go outside right now and probably mm -hmm. see somebody playing with themselves, yeah. doing something that they totally. shouldn't do in the yeah. street. I see it all the time. Um, you know, and 
you obviously had a platform to talk yeah. about this. What is your view on homelessness? And yeah. let's talk in Spokane. We don't totally. need to go national. Yeah. How are we going to solve it? How are we going to solve for it at least? Yes. We're never going to solve it yes. completely. Totally. And you can't, right? You know, you will always have those who are poor among you, you know? And so, I mean, you can't you can't solve it. That's, that's an important thing to know. But you, what you can do is you can not make it worse. Um, and so, unfortunately, to focus on Spokane, we do have to kind of talk national because, um, you know, the... Um, uh, you know, HUD, Housing and Urban Development, a lot of their m dollars that are going to um, states and cities to address things like homeless, uh, homelessness um, requires housing first to, is, is what it's spent on. And so most of the money that the city receives, we spend on housing first because that's what we're told we have to spend it on. If we're going to receive that money, we have to spend it on that. You and I know what housing first is. Do you want to just yes. clarify so that? So housing first is basically the idea that what, um, what individuals, and they would say individuals experiencing homelessness, um, uh, you know, um, or now that the, the term is like houseless persons. Mm -hmm. Anyway, people who are on the streets, um, not, not in uh, stable and permanent housing, what they say is the first thing that we need to do is we need to get them into housing. Okay, and so people, and a lot of times it's um, low barrier or no barrier shelters, okay? So what low barrier or no barrier shelters means is that you can come in as you are, uh, you know, and just come in, we just don't want you outside, which sounds really good, right? And I think it really, I, I genuinely believe this is kind of the first step, but the problem is, is that housing first just ends right there. Mm -hmm. They don't actually do housing second and housing third as, you know, Dr. Carson would have said, we don't just need housing first, we need housing second and housing third, which is not just like come as you are and stay as you are. Come as you are, but there are obviously uh, things in your life that are not good for you that are keeping you in this situation. Let us help you to understand how to be an effective and uh, you know a productive member of society again is what people like I advocate for, which is come as you are. But when you come, we're going to search you. We're going to make sure that you don't have any drugs. You don't have any alcohol because the chronically homeless are overwhelmingly mentally ill or, or addicted to substances. And so uh, don't just come as you are and stay as you are. You're coming and you need help from the community. If you want some help from the community, we have it here for you, but there are things that we expect uh, in, in return. That is different than Housing First, which says, okay, just come as you are and we've got housing for you. What we want is we want to see people who are broken on the inside because they do have addiction and mental illness. There's serious brokenness on the inside of them. How do we help address that? Because their housing situation or their, their, uh, their human issues that they're dealing with aren't a result of losing their housing. Mm -hmm. They lost their housing as a result of these human issues. And so we need to focus on those and address those to help them uh, become productive members of society again. And so housing first came up, uh, I think, in the late 80s, early 90s. And again, with government programs, I think most often it's with really good hearts that really bad policies are passed. Mm -hmm. And housing... Housing first, you know, as John Locke would say, uh, you know, ideas are proven through trial and examination. I think housing first has been proven through trial and examination to be an incredible failure um, in most areas. It's been good at getting people under housing, but the problem is, is that because of that, I think we've seen an explosion um, in homelessness because we don't expect anything from people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you you talked about a lot there. That yes. Again, I've been listening and reading up mm -hmm. on this since since starting this book. Um, 
Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. But in Spokane, we do not have a housing shortage for homeless people. And when I say that, I mean shelter, right? So they mm -hmm. can get a bed if they want it. They can be warm, dry, cool if it's in the mm -hmm. summer. But the, the it seems to be that there's a preponderance of people that do not mm -hmm. want any help or refuse the help because there's a barrier right. to it, right? Right. So there are... And, and so this is where we have to, sorry. So that was me setting it up. So we have to sort of break down. On it if oh, you okay. need to, yeah. yeah, sorry. So we do have to kind of break down. Sorry, I talked with my hands. I just knocked that over. But um, it depends um, on what you're saying. So shelter space during the day is something that the city of Spokane doesn't have a lot of. And I don't really understand why the shelters exist why are they not open during the days why are they not staffed during the day because the, one of the big reasons why you can't enforce things like sit and lie laws which exist you know to to keep people from camping on the sidewalks during business hours and things like that um, or you know camping there during the night the reason why we can't enforce that is because of a decision that came out um, from the ninth circuit court which is our circuit court um, that said you cannot enforce things like sit and lie if you don't have shelter space available we do have shelter beds. We do have shelter space available, um, but they're not necessarily low barrier beds. So places like UGM, they have space, but they when you come in, you do not get to keep any of your, you know, again, you are searched. You mm -hmm. don't get to keep your drugs and stuff. And, uh, you know, we expect you to work here. Now, it's also a Christian establishment. So they say, we also want you going to chapel. Okay. Now I understand why people would say, I don't want that. Well, I mean, this is the space that we have available. I mean, it's mm -hmm. certainly better than being on the street, right? Um, and so I, I think the shelter space exists. We certainly have shelter space at the end of the night. Um, we do have a fair amount of shelter resistant people in the city of Spokane, um, which you know could borderline um, could be borderline criminal vagrancy. Um, so I think the shelter space exists. It just depends on the definition that the government requires for us to be able to enforce certain mm -hmm. laws. And this is where I know, so I'm going to go back in time here. Former council president, Ben Stucker, um, has some good ideas in terms of home building, right? Yeah. I actually agree with his stuff when he talks about sure. downtown and, you know, how we need to use these spaces to the yep. best. You know, we shouldn't have Diamond Park and managing lots and sending a check to people. Um, we definitely need more urban density. Yep. 100% on Without board with Ben yep. on that, right? Totally. Where I struggle with Ben and some of the people that follow him, and he's not on the city council anymore. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see him pop up for another mayoral run or even higher office. He's definitely got some political aspirations. Yep. Um, I would love to have him on here and talk. I just yeah. don't know that it would happen. Yeah. Um, I think I, I've seen him kind of turn nasty and just make accusations, and I don't know that I, I really want to be in a, a confrontational mm -hmm. situation. Yeah. Um, Maybe I'll be proven wrong. Maybe I'll reach out if anybody speaks to him about this. But so I agree with him on that regard. But I did see on Facebook last week, he called you out for saying this is a human problem, not a, yeah. home, a housing yeah. problem. And it bugged me because I'm like, well, it's both. Totally. Right. And this seems to be an issue locally and nationally where we will not look at the... Um, the nuance of situations and mm -hmm. say, okay, there's multiple factors here. Yeah. Right. Case in point is healthcare. People yeah. want to blame big pharma. Yep. Well, big pharma is kind of scummy. Yeah. They sure. make a lot of money in a lot of unethical ways. Right. Yeah. And 
what are, they also do great things like producing exactly. a vaccine in yep. record time right in time yep. that people thought was you know undoable but yep. then you got a question as well when there's that much money tied to it is there is there really any money in prevention or is there or cure sorry sure versus prevention totally. like hey we can treat symptoms but not the root right. cause right and that's kind of so but when it comes to healthcare, you've got them you've got insurance companies you've got yep. the government who are totally. involved and you've got yep. providers right so yep. that it's at least a four-headed horse mm -hmm. if not mm -hmm. if not more and it's the same when it comes to homelessness we talked mm -hmm. about our houselessness however you want to address it yeah. I, you know i don't do pc totally um it's people that are sleeping rough yep. taking drugs mentally ill yep down on their luck for a day or two yep. i've been homeless mm -hmm. apparently according to how they define it now yeah i've slept in a bus station totally I literally for two days didn't have anywhere to live between yep. and this is 15 20 years ago right yeah. but it's like oh, i guess i have been homeless by their definition yeah. um so it's obviously a nuanced multifaceted issue so why is housing first and just give 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 the only thing that's coming from one side of yeah. the one side of the aisle yeah well it, it depends on how cynical you are um so you know if you believe that housing first is the best way to go and you just want to continue to build um and uh and have people living and depending on you then housing first is the way to go and unfortunately when uh you know over the years i've become more cynical when it comes to government which is ironic i understand because now i'm a member of the government but um the thing is that i i think that government it creates need in many ways because we do have tons of people that are working for the government and if you know there's not an active issue that they have to be working on every day then it's hard to justify their position and i think it's the same thing with homelessness where we just keep throwing money at it because that's what we've been doing and now we have thousands of people who depend on that industry and it has become an industry mm -hmm. and anything you know in government there's a basic axiom which is anything you want to get rid of you tax anything you want more of you subsidize and we've subsidized the heck out of out of homelessness. Some estimates have Spokane spending up to $100 million a year on homelessness, $100 million a year. And when you take into account that our general budget overall is like $350 million, it's absolutely insane the amount of money that we spend on homelessness. And um, now that's not just money that is coming directly from Spokane. Those are grants. That's you know federal money. That's state money. And so it's not all coming from the city of Spokane. But in the city of Spokane, up to $100 million a year is spent on homelessness. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of people who depend on that now for, for income. And, I mean, that's their life. That's their career now. And, unfortunately, there's a vested interest in, in kind of not solving the issue because – Unfortunately, what you just described is also the reason that you mentioned earlier, you're not quite sure why they're not open during right. the day of the shelters. Well, right. that's why it doubles their cost. Totally. They have to pay people, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So you're open for 12 hours or 24 hours. Right. You can double your staffing cost by being open yep. 24 hours. Yep. Right. So this is where, again, I think it's often lost on people. It's like, I'm not being non-compassionate. Okay. I have I think I'm a pretty compassionate person. Yeah. You know, I come from a bleeding heart liberal country, yeah, right? totally. So Scotland is fairly liberal. Grew up in it. I think in Scotland, I do lean more left. Here, I'm more central. Mm -hmm. And I guess the economics of it just seems to always be lost on so many people. Yep. It's like, look, yes, that is a wonderful idea. Yep. How do you fund it? Totally. Which always has to be the number one question, right? We can't keep printing money. Correct. Yep. If we keep raising taxes, we're going to be mm -hmm. like Norway and Sweden. Absolutely. And, 
And, you know, these countries, literally, if we were at that tax bracket, we'd create more poverty, mm-hmm. not fix well, the issue. Well, and this is the thing that people need to understand is, number one, the burden of taxes is taxes disproportionately affect people who are lower income than the higher income, right? Now, the top, you know, 10% in the country pay something like, you know, 100% of the the net taxes in the United States. Uh, So, I mean, they they shoulder the burden. But when you're talking about you raise the gas tax a dollar a gallon, who does that affect more? The person Mm -hmm. driving, you know, the Tesla or the person, you know, driving the you know, the Ford Pinto trying to get to work, you know, I mean, who, who does it actually affect when you raise, uh, uh, you know, when you, when you raise the gas tax, you know, shipping becomes more expensive. Your groceries just got more expensive. Your toys just got more expensive. Everything just got more expensive because mm-hmm. the cost of doing business got more expensive. Um, and so keeping that in mind, taxes, taxes are a big deal. Um, and the raising of taxes disproportionately affects the poor. Uh, over the rich, and I forgot why I started saying this. What was your What was your question in there? Because this was important to what I was getting. I to. I was remember. talking about in how, Scotland, how the the level of taxation can only yes, go up so much. Correct, correct, and the economy and why it matters. So the thing is, the reason why the United States was able to shut down for a year is because the United States is incredibly wealthy. Once the wealth is gone, we don't have that ability. It's an incredibly privileged stance that we were able to take that third world countries weren't able to take. The suffering in third world countries because the world's economy shut down is absolutely astronomical. We did tons of missionary work. It was so difficult for us to get food into villages. It was so difficult. Shipping containers are sitting on the Mm -hmm. ships and we cannot get them to the people who need this. And these are people who are, are literally starving. But because mm-hmm. of, of our understanding of, you know, what's, what's good and right in the United States, we shut everything down. It, it's, it's the most, and this is, might be a controversial statement, but it's the most white privileged thing I think I've ever seen in my life. All the other countries of the world, you guys are on your own, even though you depend on us. I'm sorry that you can't get food. I'm sorry that you can't get, uh, you know, the oil to burn your lamps at night. I'm sorry that you can't do this to power your factories. Um, it's, it's absolutely terrible. With all that being said, the reason why I say um, that it's important because without money, you don't have great universities. You don't have great education. You don't have, uh, you know, public safety. You don't have anything. Money is is what powers the world. If you shut down the economy, if you stop it from people being able to make money, all of these other things that we think are luxuries that just are granted, that are just guaranteed, aren't guaranteed. They depend on wealth, and this is why the United States has become so powerful <laughs> yeah if we want to get national as well i watched this morning I, I don't watch news i see clips right yeah i watched this morning the lady that's in charge of the uh i forget her name but anyway she was asked on a news program you know are we going to ask texas and oklahoma to fix our oil crisis why right. are we asking opec right. for oil right right um, we're begging OPEC for oil. Yes, we and are. And again, I'm going to do this for the benefit of people listening because I think when you say OPEC, people are like, what's that, mm-hmm. right? And just for the record, the, the largest producers of oil within OPEC are Kuwait, mm-hmm. Libya, mm-hmm. Iraq, mm-hmm. Iran, and Saudi Arabia, yep. right? We don't have great relationships with those countries. No. Historically or currently, mm-hmm. right? And we're begging them to increase their oil production because they've got massive reserves. Totally. Um, And there's a few other countries in there, but we're begging them. Mm -hmm. And it's like we're sitting on 
hundreds of millions of gallons of the shit. Totally. But because it doesn't align with you, you want to ruin other countries yeah. so that we can have this totally. fossil fuel. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yep. It's like we're we're sending a president to to a global climate crisis. Yeah. Saying, look, we're not producing any of this, but we're asking them to produce a shitload right. of it for us. Right. And it's like, where? how can you reconcile that in your brain and totally. think that's okay? Totally. And if you think that, like, things like fracking and, and doing all that stuff is mm-hmm. is bad, right? But so we don't want to do it here, but we'll have these other poorer countries do it because they depend on foreign investment. And again, I don't know how what more white privilege it can get than that, where, mm-hmm. you know what, we don't want to do it here. We'll let you guys kill yourselves. We think it's going to kill us, but we'll let you kill ourselves so we can still have what we want. Mm-hmm. We just don't have to see it here in the United States. It really is the the uh, the cognitive dissonance you have to have. Or if you just don't think about it, then you don't have to have the dissonance, right? So Yeah, yeah. yeah and I missed out the UAE as well, but the UAE and Saudi yeah. Arabia, um, Qatar, like all of these yeah. places, like their, their record on human rights yes. and the violations yep. that are unacceptable Absolutely. in developed countries. Yep. And that's who we're asking yep. for help. And that's who we're just continuing to enrich. Absolutely, mm-hmm. man. No, it's yeah. it, it's really frustrating. Like I said, as... as yeah. Yeah. This is not a party political bo- broadcast, <laughs> by the way. Um, but when when I hear things and see things, yeah. and it all correlates in, right? And we've we've been talking about homelessness, and somehow mm-hmm. we made it to OPEC. And yeah, you know, you mentioned gas prices and, yeah. and, and grocery prices. And yeah. it's like we literally have complete control mm-hmm. over all of that in this country. Yep. And our dependence yep. on foreign nations yep. to yep. to do this for us is, yep. is mind-blowing to me. Well, and people right now are championing, oh, look, you know, workers are getting paid more per hour and all this kind of stuff. Their net purchasing power is down. Their mm-hmm. net purchasing power is down. So, yeah, you might be making, you know, $15 an hour now, but the real deal is is that um, – you know, instead of your your milk being three fifty, now it's four fifty, right? Mm-hmm. And so, even though you're making an extra, you know, forty seven cents an hour, you're actually losing money. Your net purchasing power is going down, and that's what's really important as we're looking at it. Is um, what's your net purchasing power? What's your ability to acquire things for your family? Yeah. Um, all right. Let's let's transition away from yeah. houselessness, homelessness. Yeah. I, I think it's a, we could talk for hours. Oh yeah. Um, so. Let's talk about candidates that lost, and yeah. I, I'll probably do some some uh, projecting, and then you can correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Because um, I don't want to put you in a bad spot. Yeah. So there were two races for the city council, right? Mm. There was. Yes. Well, there was three. Three, but one was unopposed. One so was unopposed. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there was you versus, and I'm going to say the name. I'm going to pull it up. I can't say yes. it. Uh, Nagmana Shirazi, right? Yes, Nagmana Shirazi. Yes. So I watched you debate her. Yeah. And kudos to you for not just destroying her. You <laughs> you were a much better person than I could have been in that uh, moment. You didn't use any of your rebuttals. Yeah. Um, so you had like extra rebuttals, like if you wanted to come right, in over the top right. again. Um, but as I watched that, and again, I'm going to talk about former council member Stuckert because mm. he's been an advocate for her, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm like, okay, I'm fine with the advocating for somebody and being a, being someone that pushes for you want this candidate. But as I watched that and looked at her quote unquote policies, everything was, I can't afford to buy a house. I'm poor. Vote for me. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, but what are you going to do to fix it? What are your policies? What can you talk about right. substantively? Right. Right. And you gave, you gave facts, figures. Mm. Um, okay. And that really 
that really struck me, right? Mm-hmm. For the record, I also want to say, I said this wasn't a party political bro- broadcast. I don't vote because okay. I can't vote. I'm not okay. a citizen okay. yet. I have a green card, but I'm not a citizen. Okay. I could 100% show up, register to vote and vote for the record. Yeah. I was going to record myself doing it yes. at the last election. Yes. Realized that that's fraud. I could probably get in trouble. <laughs> don't want to fuck with that. Yeah. Um, but I keep getting asked to register to vote. Yeah. Um, like whether it's the driver's license thing yeah. or whatever. I could register to vote like that because yep. all I have to do is show a driver's license. Yep. Um, but I don't. So some people might think I don't have the right to talk about this stuff. I think it gives me more right to talk sure. about it because I'm going to hold everybody accountable. Yeah. All right. So that was one race. The other race was uh, Mike Lish versus Zach Sapon. Yes. And it was like flip-flopped in that mm-hmm. I know Mike's values. I know what he stands mm-hmm. for, but he just could not articulate it in any public forum and it really bugged me. Mm-hmm. Um, Lovely guy. Totally. Business owner. Great guy. But his entire platform seemed to be, I love this city and I've lived here my whole life. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, but go beyond that. And Zach's opponent, even though I disagree with his some of his stances, he could talk eloquently mm-hmm. about the things and give facts and figures. And he deserved to win, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably disagree, but let's talk about those. So the races, for one, I, wanted, I want you to just chime in on yeah. why you think people resonated with your message. Yeah. Then I want to talk about what happens to the losing candidates. Do you think there's still political aspirations there? Mm-hmm. And then going into a city council, so this is, I'll try and remember all of this if you forget any of it. Going into a city council where you know the odds are stacked against oh, yeah. you, right? People are going to be voting for um, agendas versus common sense, yeah. right? Yep. So yeah, there you go, I just threw a lot at you. Yeah, so... Um, so in my race, I think I think it resonated with. I think there was a lot of things about my campaign that resonated with people. Um, like I said, I'm I'm a lifelong resident. I went to Rogers, you know, and so I've I have, um, and you know, many people might not know this, but I have been incredibly poor. You know, we have depended on state assistance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what people want to know is that you don't have to stay there; that you can make something of yourself if you'd like to. And my story is one of those where, you know, we, we didn't come from money. Um, we just worked our tails off. We found something that was valuable that people wanted. We built a business around it. And now my wife and I, we have a great life together. And it was because of a lot of hard work. Um, you know, for the last 12 years, I've been working more than any of my friends. Uh, you know, I have missed more fun opportunities, more time with, to hang out and do that than any of my friends that I know of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really paid off. Now, unfortunately, with the government shutdowns and what I would consider government overreach, I uh, my business, the thing that I've been working for for 12 years, the inheritance that I was hoping to pass on to my children, took a massive and, sub, I mean, just an absolutely substantial hit um, and we, we had 13 employees before the shutdowns. I have one now. Uh, the last two people that we hired quit before their first day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, this is just, this is the reality of, of business now in the United States. And, yeah, it is. and it's really difficult. And so um, I, I think people like to see people who, I think they like underdog stories. Ours, you know, being from the Northeast, going to Rogers, I think many would consider you an underdog in this city and, and being successful is great. Um, I think, again, because of that success, people want to know, okay, if he did it, how can I do it? He's somebody that could represent us well, um, which is great. 
people also really are concerned about particular issues. Uh, we And we saw it again across the, the country where Minneapolis, you know, just absolutely torpedoed their, um, their defund the police legislation, which is terrific. And people were worried about that here because, you know, my opponent had talked about it quite openly. Um, and here's how we're going to do it, you know. Um, and it was, people don't want that. People want a safe community. Uh, people yeah. want to know that, okay, is somebody going to actually help me to move from renting into home ownership? And I think the difference in platforms uh, in the United States right now is one is again, well, hey, you're never going to be able to own your home. You know, home ownership is, is that, you know, as the person who currently sits in my seat. wealthy person thing. Yeah, totally. And the person who currently sits in my seat once said that, you know, the dream, the American dream of home ownership is dead. I find that incredibly <laughs> offensive uh, because 80% of businesses, over 80% of businesses are wow. funded through home equity lines of credit. So if we never give people home equity, what ends up happening is that 80% of businesses will never get started. And if we're talking about generational wealth, if we're talking about wealth gaps, right? 65% of white families in the city of Spokane own their homes. Only 24% of black families own their home in, in the city of Spokane. Mm -hmm. So the harder that we make it for home ownership to happen in the city of Spokane through bad government policies, we continue to look at minority groups in the city of Spokane and say, hey, you're on your own. And I find that incredibly offensive. I mm -hmm. think that's absolutely terrible. Mm -hmm. I want to see people be able to make it and be successful in, in the city. And so, um, again, as this message is is being put put out, I think that's why we had, uh, I mean, it's it's a 15-point victory. It's a massive, massive victory. And mm -hmm. uh, I think it's because people are looking for somebody who says, yes, you can. We're going to get the government out of the way. It's up to you to be successful. We're going to make it as equal and, and uh, you know, we're going to make the opportunities equal for everybody. Now go and take hold of it. I think that's the message people want. And I think that's why we won really well. I agree. Okay, so... Obviously, it's unfortunate that yeah. the council president currently is taking a sabbatical for, yes, for health reasons. Sad. Yep, absolutely. How is the the city government going to operate with him gone? Like, is there a vice president, or is does so it, does the government operate with one less? Or yeah, so if somebody has to to step away for that, and first off, it is incredibly sad. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Brian and I don't agree on many issues, but. I never want anybody to suffer, no, and it's really, horrible. really sad. Yeah, really yeah. terrible. And uh, you know, um, our prayers, um, you know, are, are obviously with him and his family. I believe he is kind of back now. I think okay. he came back, um, but uh, while he was away, somebody sits in in his position for him and steps into that uh, council president role. Um, and so there were, you know, just the six votes there um, for a minute, but. Uh, now that he's, like I said, I'm pretty sure he's back. I saw him at, a, at an ARP, um, American Rescue Plan, meeting okay. the other day. So so yeah. is that the same as, so Robert's Rules of Order, right? Right. So if there's, does the president get to break ties if there's a tie? Uh, well, they vote on everything. And so it's not, uh, there's never a tie. Well, you said there was only six votes. Right. So there could have been a tie at that point. No, the president does not break Okay. The tie. So um, if there's if there's a tie, then it it doesn't pass. I okay. Believe. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. Okay, I was just curious. Yep. Because the default is right. So in the Senate, the you can have fifty and fifty, but the vice president, mm -hmm. uh, if there's a tie, breaks breaks the tie. But then we don't on, have that in this. But then on most boards, if president breaks the tie, they don't vote on the issue in the right. first place. Right. Right. So they're there to guide and steer. Yep. So look yep. at us getting into parliamentary order yeah buddy <laughs> yeah that's what i'm talking about i know more than i let on <laughs> um so 
Yeah, so you're obviously, let's focus on that. You're going yeah. into the uh, the lion's den, so to speak. Yeah. There's you and Michael Cathcart, right? Yep. And then there's five Democrats. Yes. Some people see that as good. I see it as bad. I mm-hmm. want balance. Yep. I think 50-50-ish. Yep, totally. It's one thing to have a majority. It's yep. another thing to have a super majority, Correct. right? Yep. Um, the mayor is Republican, obviously. So mm-hmm. essentially there's three people in city council that are... Um, city government shall we say that yeah. are, are right leaning and then there's a left leaning i also yeah. thought it was funny by the way in the, the voter pamphlet that everybody said they were non-partisan um but whether they affiliate with a party right. or not or pay right. dues that cracks me up totally um it's like okay so non-partisan except right you're not right <laughs> and it's and it's funny you know because you know by Legally, it's a nonpartisan position, right? Mm-hmm. And so everybody, that's why, oh, it's nonpartisan, but politics is partisan. It just, it really is. Yeah. And, you know, there are times when you disagree with your party, and God knows there's plenty of times I do, and I'm sure, you know, Nagmana disagrees with her party plan. I don't too. have a party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I definitely agree with one significantly more than the other, and so that's why I consider it, you know, my party. But, um, but when you have that, but I'm with you. George Washington said that partisan politics would be the downfall of America, right? Maybe the greatest American who ever lived. I know it. And uh, no, 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 no. They hate him now. I know they do. I know. (laughs) I know. You know, the father of the country. Yeah. You know, did you know, by the way, that he's the only six-star general in history? And the reason why isn't because he was six-star back then. He was only a three-star general back then. But there's a law that was passed that nobody can ever outrank George Washington. Nobody can ever be equal rank. So once we had a fifth-star general, he had to be promoted to six-star general because nobody can ever be the same rank or outrank George Washington. Yeah. That's that's really cool to know, yeah. actually. Yeah, I like little tidbits. Absolutely, but um, we were talking about something I forget. We I were talking about you tangent. being in the minority and oh, how you yeah. can af- yep. affect change. Yes, with yeah, an A, and, by the way. And I agree affect. with you. Yeah, correct. <laughs> yeah, and I I agree with you. So the city the city uh, leans liberal, uh, pretty pretty you know. Um, healthily, right? You know, it's like 55, 45 liberal to conservative in the city limits. And so I think a fair representation before liberals and three conservatives, I think that's a fair representation of the city, mm-hmm. right? I have no problem with that. It had been 6-1 for four years. That's absolutely unacceptable. It's absolutely insane. Um, and so I'm poor glad Mike that Fagan, we're, right? Yeah, poor <laughs> Mike Fagan and then poor Michael Cathcart. And, uh, but, you know, now 5-2 is closer to a balance, um, but it's still a supermajority. The mayor still can't veto things if the city council has five votes. Um, and so, unfortunately for the mayor, there's going to be many issues where her hands are still tied because legally she can't do anything about it. And how do so in that case, how do we compel people to vote on the merits of issues yeah. and policies as opposed mm-hmm. to vote the way your party would like you to vote? Yeah. Well, I think this is just I think these are competing ideologies in the United States right now because I, uh, one, uh, it, you know, people on the far left would say that you know meritocracy is a is a symbol of white supremacy, which is absolutely <laughs> insane, right? But that's you know the critical race theory. How dare you I mean, work hard and be exactly, successful? You know. Well, I mean, shoot, there was that. Um, um, do you remember that poster that was up in the National Museum of African American Culture at, in the Smithsonian? And it talked about what whiteness was, and it was like adhering to time schedules, uh, you know, work now, play later. I mean, the getting math problems correct, believing in the scientific method was all whiteness. It's incredibly offensive stuff, you know. And David Duke is probably in the corner, like, yeah, I agree with all that. David Duke, mm-hmm. you know, crazy KKK guy, um, yeah. you know. And it's absolutely insane to think that this is where we're at, um, but. 
But yeah, focusing on merit is a very good thing, okay? Uh, and I think that that's where we should really be. One of the things that, that's most important in my estimation when it comes to diversity is the diversity of thought. So when it comes to my LA, uh, my legislative um, aide, I think the person that is my front runner right now, I think their choice will shock people. Um, but the thing that I value greatly are people who don't think like me. I want to understand your side of the story. Be challenged. Absolutely. Absolutely. You only make me better. If you challenge my positions and in the end, I still think it's the strongest argument, all you've done is affirm that. But if you challenge me in a position and it's like, wow, I had never thought of that, you make that position even stronger because you're helping me to see something that I was missing. So I greatly value people who think differently than me uh, because I genuinely want to be the best that I can be and be really, really uh, the you know the best and, and accurate. I hate being wrong. I hate it so much. Um, and the only way that you can believe that you're right is to really search for truth, to really pursue it. And uh, sometimes that that means offending what you believe currently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's being open to can I have this opinion based mm -hmm. on the facts at hand currently. Yeah. But also have an open mind to hearing totally. facts, figures, yep. experiences, anecdotes. Absolutely. And then going back and looking at those in depth and going, yep. okay, I was wrong. I, I came to this conclusion based on what I knew. Yep. I now know this. Yep. And nine times out of ten, you're not going to completely 180. You're going to go, okay, I'm more in the middle of this now. Yeah. So now I've got to really dive in and get yep. to the merit of the issue. Yep. Or it rounds off some of your edges. It softens your edges mm -hmm. a little bit where it's like, okay, I was a little harsh on this. Let me let me back up a little bit because the point that you're making is 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 really valid. So, yeah, I um, like I said, I am who I am. I have a certain set of beliefs that you know people won't be able to change because I have already vetted them in my 34 years of life. Um, they're not going to change. Most issues of life, though, you could probably help me understand a what or a how differently than what I'm doing now. I know you're not allowed to participate in this, but just for fun with yeah. my friends. I might have a sweepstake for how long it takes for you to be called racist. Um, it already happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's happened all throughout the campaign. Yeah. Because that's the only way a Republican can win, right? Appeal to white nationalists. I know. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. <laughs> Where, and, the, and honestly, the real trouble is, is that, and I wanted to say, this is why when people call everybody a racist, you do a disservice to the community because there are actual racists in the community. Mm -hmm. But if you call people who aren't racist, racist, what ends up happening is that word loses all power. It loses all power. And so then when it's like somebody's actually racist and the Republicans saw this, you know, because, I mean, they called John McCain racist. They called Mitt Romney, who's like the most, you know, unoffensive guy in the history of the world, right? They called him racist. Joe Biden said he's going to put you all back in chains, right? Like this, all of this, you call everybody a racist. Well, then there was a guy by the name of Steve King, right? In, I think it was Indiana. I can't remember exactly, but somewhere mm -hmm. in the Midwest where he actually was. And the trouble was is that, you know, there were some tweets that were like borderline. And it's like, well, you know, you call everybody racist, so I'm not entirely sure. You know, and for 10 years, you know, we, you know, people weren't sure because you call everybody racist. And then it comes out, oh, yeah, actually, we need to get rid of this guy. And thankfully, Republicans primaried him and, and he's no longer part of the legislature. Mm -hmm. But that's the it's a disservice to call everybody racist. It yeah. really is. Well, I mean. Or also, for the record, it's a disservice to call everybody a socialist or a Marxist. Yes. Okay, that's yes. also a disservice. It has to go both yes. ways. Yep. Um, the uh, the Virginia stuff, like I watched that. Yeah. And I'm like, well, they appealed to all these white nationalists, and it's like the lieutenant governor won as a black lady. Yes. How is that appealing Attorney to white General nationalists? Is Cuban American. Yeah, yeah. Like you're you're 
like how can how can what you're saying be true, right? Yep. And when I was saying call you you're racist, I was thinking more along the lines of our our liberal press friends, whether it be that Daniel Waters mm-hmm. clown Walters or the, the the other guy that writes for the spokesman. I can't think of his name right now, but I made fun of him before. Um, uh, you don't need to say his name. I know you know it as well. Um, uh, shit. Yeah. Anyway, I've made fun of him. Yeah. Like th- there is never a balanced article. It's always okay. You're, you're shown one side. You're not. This isn't journalism. This is a hatchet job. Totally. Um, and you know that you've got those coming. Oh There'll yeah. be an editorial. Oh yeah. You. Yeah. Um, I'm going to look it up just because I, I need to get his name. But yeah, you know that's coming. How are you going to yeah. deal with that? Obviously, take the the, the the high ground. But yeah, you know the thing is, is Sean Vestal. There it is. I didn't even have to look it up. It yes, came to yeah. me like a yeah. yeah. I um, you know, when you have strongly held beliefs, people mischaracterize you quite often. Um, and uh, you know, I've kind of dealt with that a lot throughout my life. Um. And, uh, you know, you just learn to, you know, we used to say this when I was a kid, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And now mm-hmm. in 2021, speech is literally violence. I don't know when that change came, but. Silence is violence. Silence, well, so you yeah. can't win. So, um, so anyway, um, it's just something where when you're sure of yourself and what you're doing and, and in the mission, um, people can say whatever they want and. Uh, oftentimes those people you can't change their mind and so uh, you know you never want to get into a shouting match with a fool mm-hmm. because you end up becoming the fool yourself so and there's another way to say that is don't don't argue with idiots because they bring you down to their level and right. beat you with experience totally totally <laughs> totally and so you know what hey listen to me I I can appreciate that they're doing what they think is right for the community um, I often disagree with them but uh, you know, hey, if they if they ever wanted to work with me to make the community better, man, more power to them. We don't even have to tell anybody. If you're worried about being associated with, we don't need to tell anybody. Let's just do some good work for the community, and I'm totally good with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can have all the credit. I don't care. I don't care who gets the credit. If you want me working behind the scenes and helping, I don't care. Totally. You can have all of it. All I want is is for Spokane to be a safe and clean place for my my family. You know so. you're not allowed to talk sense like this as a politician, <laughs> right? Like yeah. you're, you're going to have to stop this. Yeah, you yeah. will not be accepted I if know. you keep. And, I know. I, I love that your uh, your whole thing was bring common sense back yeah. to, to local government, and it used to be like that, I right? Know. It used to be that local governments yeah. were fairly bipartisan and like, hey. This is our community. Yeah. People in Seattle don't know what, what the hell totally. is right for yep. us. And people in Washington, D.C. certainly totally. don't know what's right for yep. And I'll, I'll throw Kathy McMorris mm-hmm. and all the other legislators that are mm-hmm. in the national level. They don't know what's going on in their mm-hmm. community. They're over there frigging, you know, stroking the right egos and trying to create this pathway mm-hmm. to higher, higher uh, political positions. Again, this is my opinion, not Jonathan's. But yes. That to, that's my take on it. Mm-hmm. Local government has to be. We're in Spokane. We have a five mile radius. Draw it around this city hall. Five mile circle. What can we do to make mm-hmm. this better? Yeah. And forget what Seattle's doing. Forget totally. what Los Angeles and San Francisco are doing. Forget what Washington D.C. thinks we should do because mm-hmm. they've never. They've ne- they're, they're traveling, but they're not experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I would I would disagree with you on Kathy. 
Um, I of course think, you would. I, totally. Um, I think Kathy has been instrumental in, you know, things like broadband access to rural areas, making sure that, uh, you know, kids in smaller towns and, um, have access to the internet and good internet. Um, I think protecting our dams for cheap sources of energy, cheap and very, very clean sources of energy um, is a really big deal. I've seen her at, at numerous community functions here in the city of Spokane. So, um, I will disagree with you there, but uh, but uh, no, I, I understand and I have felt at times that my government also didn't care about me. Mm-hmm. And so and I thought, forget that, I'll just be a part of the government, you know? My, my statement did not say that they haven't done anything good. Right, right. All I'm saying is they're not, to, despite what might be projected, they're not living and working in the community 24 seven. Their, their eyes are elsewhere mm-hmm. a lot of the time and they're also, um, you know, Kathy. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of her policies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't mean that I think that she's not looking beyond what her current position is. Mm. Um, I mean, when Trump get in, I think there was even some talk of her being in the cabinet, and mm-hmm. it may not have been a bad thing. I, I don't like people that have been in positions for long, long times. I love that City Council yeah. has a, a term two limit. term, yep. eight year term limit. Yep. Um, you know, I love that. Not because I disagree with him, but I love that Ben Stuckert basically timed out. Yeah. There's another one ha- that's, is it, who is it that's uh, termed out now? Is it Candace? So mom termed yeah. out, yep. Yep. So that's who uh, Zappone um, mm-hmm. will will likely replace. I mean, it's not over yet, but will likely replace. That was a close race. Very close Much race. closer than I The I Northwest expected. is always, is always mm-hmm. close. Remember, I think it was Andy Rathman lost to uh, Karen Stratton by, again, another few hundred votes uh, in the same way that this one's very close. So. Well, it's funny because I can say this and it's actually geographically or to- to- from a topographical standpoint true, but you get the people up the hill and you get mm-hmm. the people down the hill up right. there in the Northwest, right? Right. It's, it's very, I see why it's 50-50. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But no, I, I'm critical of all politicians. I yeah, don't totally. Want, and, I mean, and probably rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah. But like, like you said, trust but verify. Totally. Totally. I'm and I look forward to the days that you were criticizing me because there's going to, I'm oh, sure there, there will, will be, be plenty to criticize. I have criticize. criticized you, I think. Oh, good. We've talked about things that yeah, we disagree about. Totally. Um, you know, and, and, but here's the thing we go into it with the idea that I disagree with you, but give me some perspective. Totally. Yep. And we leave with new perspectives. Yep. And whether we change your mind or not, I don't think you can really change someone's mind. I think you can give them perspective to reevaluate. Right. And it might somewhere down the line lead to a better decision. Yeah. Or better insight from them when they share. So yeah. I, I think we lose sight of the humanity of politics. It's like, yeah, they're still people. Totally. And we dehumanize them. Yeah, absolutely. And we berate and, you know. Uh, and this is the worst part for my wife. Because my wife thinks I'm a very good man, and uh, you know whether she's right or not. I'm just kidding. But uh, tell her not to read the internet. Well, and that's what it is when you know people are calling me terrible names because you know it's all. I mean, it's it's been you know for the last nine months. You know, I'm a you know all, you know just all the like the worst names you can call people, right? You know, I've been called mm-hmm. them all, and you know, for my wife, that I mean, that grieves her heart because she's like, they don't know you. Why mm-hmm. are they saying this? You're not yeah. this person. And I'm like, I know, but. And then you're villainized. I saw yeah. this from Stuckert as well last week. You didn't show up to some forum. You and Mike didn't show up to some forum. And it's like, well, who was putting the forum on and what was yeah. the point of it? And well, and also, uh, you know, some candidates were able to quit their job and focus on campaigning full time. My business last year was decimated. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my ability to provide for my family was You've hindered greatly. <laughs> I know. I had to uh, pivot and start a new business 
to provide for my family. I didn't have the ability to do it. And so there were plenty of forums and there's a million forums. There's a million debates. There's a million everything. You can't be at all of them. No. And, um, you know, there was, there was some that I wish I could have been at, um, you know, the low income housing. I wish I could have been there, but the problem is that I work and I, I, you know, we have an events and entertainment business. We get booked. And so I get booked out years in advance. So when you book something, you say, hey, it's this time. I'm already booked. Can you move it? No, this mm -hmm. is the time it is. Okay, well, then I can't be there. And then you're the guy who's like, oh, you didn't care enough to be here. No, that's not, that's not it at all. Yeah, and again, as a politician, if your entire agenda is I'm going to show up at this and this and this yep. and I'm going to be at that photo opportunity, yep. you're useless to me totally. as a citizen. Yep. You're useless to me as someone who yep. needs you to be engaged in the right things yep. and not the wrong things. Correct. I don't care what picture ops you get. Yep. Totally. And it, it depends on how you define yourself, right? I mm -hmm. don't define myself as a politician. I am, number one, you know, a follower of Christ. Number two, I am a husband and a father, you know, and, and number three is, you know, really my work. And so, um, I mean, it, being being a politician is, is again, not how I self-identify. I, I identify as a husband and my responsibility to my wife and my responsibility to my son and our future children will always come before, uh, you know, anything else. And yeah. so I don't I don't feel bad in any way. I wish I could have been there, but also I'm not sorry. I like that. And I, I, knowing the man you are and knowing yeah. that you have, you're principled, mm -hmm. I would see you walking away before you put yourself in a position Without that a would ever take, yep. detract from any of those mm -hmm. two things. Um, and this is something where I think people will, will often disagree with me on many things but they'll, I'm pretty sure they'll know exactly where I stand on everything because uh, I, um, uh, lying to me is incredibly offensive. Uh, you know, misleading is incredibly offensive. I think the truth is very powerful. I think the truth is very good. Uh, you know, it builds, it doesn't tear down, it builds. Um, and so in the community, people who disagree with me, I think there will still be a level of respect of, you know, at least he tells us straight, you know, so. Mm -hmm. I hope so. Yeah. And. and but just remember, that's why people hated Donald Trump. And I'm not saying that Donald sure. Trump is a stand-up citizen yeah, by totally. any means. There is yep. a whole host of issues yep. that need to be dealt with with that man. Yep. But, you know, the, the battle cry from some was, well, he speaks his mind, and I appreciate that. Yeah. And other people, are, well, that just, he can't say that. Totally. That's not presidential. And it's right. Like, I think it's more presidential in some cases to say exactly what you yeah. think and use a bad word yep. and call someone an idiot. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and honestly, if after four years, people are like, Jonathan, we, we don't like your style. We don't do that. You know, we don't want you anymore. Hey, totally fine. Like I said, my life, my life without this was amazing. Mm -hmm. I'll go. And honestly, it's a lot easier, <laughs> you know, not being in politics is way easier. So, yeah. you know, I'll just go back to having an awesome wife and children and, and life would be good. I'm then. not going to ask the typical question yeah. of what's what comes after yeah. city council because you're yeah. not even there yet. Right. So just do a good job for the next four years. Absolutely. And again, going full circle back to the start, yeah. I still love Spokane. I'm not Absolutely. moving away because I hate Spokane. Yeah. Um, I still plan on being here regularly. Yeah. I have businesses that I service here. I have friends that are like family here. Yeah. I love this community. Yeah. I'm not leaving because I hate the city. I'm leaving because I want to see my mom and dad more. I want to see my family more. I want a better climate. God, I hate winter and I hate <laughs> I hate in winter eating lunch and it being dark at two o'clock. Yes. Um, so there's there's things that I dislike about the city, but totally. none of it is the city itself. Right. It's just 
not situations I can control here, Correct. but I can control yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. So um, I'm still rooting for you. I'm rooting for the city of Spokane. Yeah. I think we're we're moving in a direction that it's a pivotal point, right? Yeah. Because we do have the houseless homelessness issue. We do have some real important um, economic decisions coming mm-hmm. up for the city. Like, where are we going to build houses? Right. Um, and I think it, it speaks volumes that all three home builders associations here you had in your corner yes. right yep um you know that speaks volumes to policy not politics mm-hmm. yeah um you know again when when your opponent and and others were asked about well what are we going to do it, it seems to lack any kind of uh substantive approach mm. so the fact that people that are involved with lobbying and legislation and actually on the ground building buildings decided to advocate yep. for you i think that speaks volumes yeah well, and we have some challenges at the state level, right? So people talk about, oh, we want density downtown. I agree with you. I think density downtown is terrific. Uh, do you want all apartments downtown? Because right now, uh, state law makes condos very, very, very – there's there's high levels of um, – Red tape? Not red tape. I, gosh, why can't I think of the word? Uh, there's high levels of um, – how can I help you? Building code? No, no. It's um, that, uh, you know, you could get in a lot of trouble, right? There's there's um, um, the building of condos. The state has made very difficult because there's tons of liability, liability for got, liability okay. for, gosh, words are hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's tons of liability for people who build condos. Uh, now, some really big construction companies that can sort of absorb that if they needed to mm-hmm. sometimes build them, but condos downtown would be amazing things that people can actually own and again be building equity in downtown would be amazing and not just downtown you know in in the um along the you know the the streets and the corridors and um centers and corridors i that would all be great we are fighting an uphill battle in certain housing situations because of bad state uh, law and we need to get those changed but at the city level, there's plenty that we can do, uh, you know, enhancing uh, single-family zoning to allow people to build mother-in-law suites, uh, you know, would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to change some zoning um, in certain areas uh, to, uh, you know, to build more residential in stuff that was once, uh, you know, industrial land that we don't necessarily need it to be industrial anymore. Yeah. Getting our permitting just dialed in. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a contractor and getting permits from the city sometimes is just... <laughs> It's it's the most <laughs> frustrating thing in the world. And you're like, what in the heck is going on? What do you what is taking so long? But uh, you know, things like that that we can have an actual impact, we need to do. And yeah. a city council that doesn't vote down uh, developments. You know, we saw at Southgate, they're like, well, we don't know about traffic. Not in my backyard. Right, exactly. Yeah, they call those NIMBYs, N-I-M-B-Y, yep. not in my backyard. Yeah. So. Yeah, and yeah. this is where this is where I'm torn on just some of the stuff yeah. you talked about, right? So. Let's talk about the density issue, right? Let's talk about Mm -hmm. mother-in-law suites, right? Things like that. Can I have multiple properties on my property? Yeah. So the level of freedom I would normally advocate for is don't tell me what to do on my property. Totally, yep. As long as it's to code, as long as I am not endangering people, I should be able to build on this, right? So that's the level of freedom I would normally advocate for. But then I also said... I support what Stuckert talks about. Yeah. Like, you can't do this with this property. This right. is useless. Diamond Park and get the hell out of Spokane. Right. Uh, we're going to build this up or we're going to tax it to what it could be mm-hmm. used for. Mm-hmm. You could build parking underneath, uh, you know, retail, floor one, you know, and three or four floors up yep. where it's 
condominium housing or, or apartment housing, whatever it is. So it's like I get conflicted because, on like I said, on one hand, I'm like, I don't want the government telling me what I can and Correct. can't do on my land. But then I do want them telling some people what they can Correct. and can't do on their land. So it's, yeah, I'm and conflicted. This is, totally. And this is where it comes down to me. Uh, you know, we all know the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. So if I wouldn't want somebody telling me what to do, I don't feel good telling other people what to do. And that's why I, I yeah. agree with you. I, I get conflicted in this way where you see, man, we could do so much with this land. But also, if I owned this, I wouldn't want somebody telling me what to do. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so I guess where you go with that is, hey, we're not going to tell you what to do. We're going to incentivize you to do it. I agree. And that's the approach that I want to see. Incentives are great. But then, again, the other side of this is people say, oh, you're just making the rich richer right? They already own land. They're already wealthy and you're going to give them more, you know, to incentivize them. Or, or oftentimes it's, we're just not going to tax you at a certain level. You know, we're not giving you money. We're just yeah. not going to take as much from you. And uh, I mean, it's just like, guys, what do you want? Do but you the, want housing or do you not? The thing is the people that would make that argument tend to be more left leaning, right? So if we want to go the whole, hey, you're a socialist thing, right? It's like, actually that's socialism at its finest. Mm-hmm. It's, we're going to help this guy or this lady get ahead, they're going to do this. But think of the the second, third, and fourth all order effects of yep. what that retail does, what yep. that additional parking does, yep. all the families they bring in mm-hmm. to live there that then spend money in the community, yep. that come from different areas, yep. whatever it is, right? Yeah. And it's like, to me, that's, that's kind of a proponent or a component of socialism. It's like, we all benefit when some people benefit more. Mm-hmm. That's meritocracy right totally well it's like when you build a luxury home not only one family has been affected here right so you have a family (laughs) building a luxury home right and but they lived somewhere before that so now that they've just built something now they're not in that so they might have gone from a four bedroom you know whatever house into a five or six bedroom house that's like super beautiful well now that four bedroom house is available and somebody who's in a two Mm -hmm. bedroom house that needed to move up or is ready to move up gets to move up into a four bedroom house, right? And then somebody who was in a four bedroom house, but now their kids are gone and they don't need as much. Now they can move down into a two bedroom house, right? So everybody doesn't get the luxury one right off the bat. Not everybody, no. And (laughs) the thing is, but that luxury home that people are like, oh, I can't believe they're building that. That just opened up a significant amount of movement in the community for people to better serve their families and better accommodate their families, Mm -hmm. right? And so, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's tons of room for uh, you know, low income and affordable housing, but my emphasis will always be on home ownership because I don't want people to be dependent on the government for the rest of their life, yeah. right? I want people to be able to build and make their own way. And we can start to see a change in generational poverty in my district through home ownership. And that's one facet of it, right? Yeah. But what, what you didn't talk about was how many companies supplied the goods to totally. make that yep. home, how many people worked on the making of that home, yep. how many people now are going to mm-hmm. service that home, whether it totally. be insurance and, yep. you know, all the things yep. that need to be done to maintain the home. Yep. And it's like, that's the ecosystem. Yep. And we get totally. so focused on one little facet of the ecosystem. Uh-huh. And it's like, well, homeownership's racist. Homeownership is, right. is a white privilege. And it's right. like, well, I don't own a home. I've never owned a home. Mm-hmm. The reason I don't own a home is because I kind of scared to put roots down sure um i've been here 12 years yeah but um you know home ownership's definitely in my future yeah i'm looking at multiple properties totally. right now in different places yeah so no it's but to your point from earlier i know how i grew up yeah and i know what i grew up in and yeah. that wasn't by it, i never thought of it as poverty but right 
by governmental standards, sure. we were probably below the poverty line. Yeah. I've got five brothers. Yeah. My dad was the only one working. Yep. He earned a good wage, but when you've got six boys. Totally. You know, yeah. we should have bought a cow. We drank that much <laughs> milk, right? So, <laughs> gallons of milk a day, oh loaves of bread yep. a day. Like, I yep. don't know how my mum did it. I know. I know. And now I'm like, yeah, you want to tell me that that was white privilege? Totally. And now I'm privileged. No, like, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm not in the streets. Maybe I'm not in a gang. But again, those were choices because that was all around me. Totally, <laughs> totally. And, we, you know, we were the same. My dad was, you know, a pastor. He just started to church. And for the record, you know, despite, you know, some pastors you see on TV, many do not get paid well. <laughs> and that's, it's not. He's it's, not Joel Osteen. It, 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 right. <laughs> so, so my dad, you know, didn't make a lot of money. Plus he was uh, in school finishing his PhD in psychology and he was working at a grocery store while having four children and a and a stay at home wife. Okay. Yeah. So we were we were not we were not well off in mm-hmm. any means, but again, I wouldn't change my upbringing for anything. My brothers and my sister are like my best friends. My parents are terrific people. I am the man that I am because of them and you know, it's just my Again, the the ideas that you're passing on to your children, you can make it. You can be successful. That hope, we need hope in the United States, yeah, right? We need definitely. hope. Yep. Without hope, we're lost. Right? Totally. Um, who's the other loony? Is it Coleman or or uh, the the preacher guy? And he speaks in tongues and he smacks people on the stage. And I love watching those evangelists. By the way, it's oh yeah, freaking hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll think of his name yeah. when we're off air. I'm yeah. sure. Uh, anything you want to close with um, I, it's not just people from Spokane that listen yeah. to this but I think your your message resonates yeah. beyond Spokane yep. so anything you yep. want to say before we yeah. sign off because we've been yep. talking for over an hour oh wow um, yeah I just want to remind people that the United States is still the greatest country that has ever existed um, in the history of mankind uh, we are still um, the most racially diverse and tolerant country in the world. Uh, We are still the most free place in the world. And I know that the United States has issues right now, big issues that we're working through. But um, despite those issues, um, as, as somebody who has been overseas, I would rather have our issues than any other country's issues. And let's keep things in perspective. The poorest among us still live like kings compared to 85% of the world. The United States is still the greatest place. The, the community that you live in is most likely still a great community. And uh, I'm just so excited for the future of our country. I'm excited for the future of our city. I'm excited that I get to be a part of it. And um, I'm excited for, for all the good that's going to be happening in the United States You know, for the next 100 years. I can echo that because I choose to live here. Totally. Nobody holds a gun to my head. Yep. I love Scotland. It's my heritage. Mm-hmm. I have zero interest in ever living there again. Yep. Not because things are necessarily bad there, but I do, I have traveled just like you. I've yep. been to different places. Yep. I've seen different things. And I don't know that there's a, there is not another nation on earth as progressive, as inclusive, mm-hmm. whether you're talking about your sexual orientation, mm-hmm. your race or anything else. Religion, I 100% anything, yep. agree with that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So... I know that things sometimes look bad, but trust me, we've still got it very, very good here in the United States, and uh, I have great hope for the future. So, Yeah. So I'm going to, before I sign off, I am a big advocate, I've talked about this, of nonpartisan politics. Um, I am not, I, I did endorse you yeah. publicly, which I don't do very often. Yeah. 
but nine times out of ten I give it a body swerve and just have personal private discussions or yeah. discussions here about what policies are so um, I'm open to having more discussions totally. like this with other people that I disagree with as yeah. well on a lot of things I agree with you on most things um, you know but yeah I'm open to more of these so if you're listening to this and you're offended let's talk totally and just be prepared to offend me and be offended totally. but I'm not going to take it personally correct. so correct yeah I'm all about that I'd love to have more of these conversations so uh, we'll call it a day there an hour and ten minutes that's a longer one since Ben left me but uh, yeah rate review share reach out to Jonathan if you get questions about Spokane happy to connect you guys you know how to get me um, and until the next time be good to yourselves and to each other